Hello and welcome to the 10 to Track Weekly World Match Previews Podcast, Episode 33. I'm your host, Soccer Noob. I've only been following the sport for a few years, hence my name. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, nine-year-old daughter, Person Noob. She is comparatively new at being, well, alive, hence her name. Now, I know that many of you have discovered us this week through uh, Twitter account SC Triangle, who is the model actor who posed for and is the brand spokesman for the little space-filling three-sider in the new Columbus SC Crest. Uh, that interview segment is going to be added on at the end of the program. Uh, we here at Team Noob certainly hope that you'll enjoy the entire show. But of course, you can use your uh, Google and other powers to fast forward to the end and catch the interview if the spirit moves you to do so. Uh, This episode, we're going to be talking about uh, matches from Friday, 514 through Thursday, May 20th. Which matches? What have you gotten yourself into? Well, the most interesting and important matches in the world, as Team Noob defines them. We'll go to the biggest leagues and cover the best clubs, sometimes, sure. But when we cover first versus second place and other important league matches, uh, FA Cup games, international tournaments, we will go anywhere in the world, any confederation, any nation, any size. If it's a top tier league there and an important match where it's being played, we are probably there giving it a three to six, three to six minute mini preview. Uh, we'll learn plenty of footy, little club and area history, uh, culture, food. I really enjoy learning uh, things about the world through the lens of soccer. That's the most fun thing for me. I hope you'll find it such as well. Plenty of uh, fun, funny, odd bits sprinkled in throughout to make the podcast truly unique. Uh, Person Noob does her own food-related segment. Uh, we have one sometimes called Stolen Mailbag, where we answer the questions that are asked from other podcast hosts, whether they're even soccer-related or not. Uh, Oftentimes, 35-year-old soothsayer Noobstradamus has lotus leaf-addled visions where we learn a little myth and history related to a soccer area of the world, uh, while even getting a game prediction out of him most of the time. You never know which of these are all going to happen week to week. Oh, and we always do our three bonus matches that you get to vote on uh, via our Twitter polls. I'm polls. I'm Soccer Noob USA on Twitter. So, with no further ado, let's dive into... Match number one! We like to keep things chronologically oriented here on the podcast. No Friday matches happen to make the 10 to track this week. So we start on Saturday on the calendar and we head to Africa, specifically the CAF Champions League. They're in the quarterfinal stage. This is the first match of a two-legged tie between Kaiser Chiefs from South Africa and Simba from Tanzania. A little bit about each. Uh, Kaiser Chiefs, uh, they're from a, a little area called Naterena, a village or town. It's just south of uh, Johannesburg, so effectively part of that area. Now, uh, the name of the club, Kaiser Chiefs. Hey, English, uh, you know, indie rock band Kaiser Chiefs. Is there any connection there? Uh, no, not really, though I have encouraged the management if he feels like uh, trying to slide one past Apple uh, before, during, or after. He could give us a little uh, I Predict a Riot or some other Kaiser Chiefs uh, indie rock song of his choice. But in any case, the footy, the club is actually named for a former NAS, NASL striker in America from the 1970s. He played for the Atlanta Chiefs and his name was 
Kaiser uh, Motong. So he combined the team he was with and his first name. The nickname for the team, one of the many that they have, and I kind of like it, is Glamour Boys. Uh, now, this league, uh, the Premier League, is uh, number five rated in South Africa. That's up one from a year ago. They just passed up the uh, Democratic Republic of Congo in the, co- uh, Congo in the coefficients. They qualified for this tournament by finishing in uh, second place last year in the South African Premier League. They finished this year in this tournament number two in their group, which was an automatic advancement. They finished right behind one of my favorite African teams, Wydad AC out of Morocco. Probably the only team that you'll ever hear of that's named after a singer. Anyway, more on that and on a different podcast. Uh, they finished just ahead of Haroya from Guinea and had to, uh, they earned their second place finish on the third title tiebreaker um, away head-to-head goals. Uh, their goal differential in the group was actually negative. Uh, they went just two, three, and one. Uh, very average on offense and defense in group play. And if you line up all the teams from all the groups in the group stage, they were uh, statistically the worst one to advance. They barely would have made the cut. Uh, this year in the Premier League, uh, they are just in 10th place out of 16. So, you know, good on them for getting this far in the Champions League because they're not having an outstanding league in their uh, uh, outstanding year in their domestic league. Uh, offense is pretty average. Defense has really been the problem. They're uh, down at number 12 statistically there. Uh, best all-around player on the assist leaderboard for this team is Kama Biliat, guy to look for in the box score. He is a winger from Zimbabwe. If you follow uh, African soccer at all, his name will be familiar with to you because of his time with uh, Mamelodi Sundowns, which is the number one team in this league currently, usually is. He spent the heart of his career with them. And internationally, he's got almost 50 national team caps dating back all the way to 2011. And then their goalkeeper, the guy who appears to be uh, sort of the weak link, to be honest, uh, Dan. Daniel Akpeyi, he is from Nigeria, veteran, 34 years old. And now Simba FC, they are known as the Kings, and they play out of the uh, capital, I believe, of Dar es Salaam. Uh, This is the number 12 league that they play out of in Africa. It's up one from a year ago. They just passed Libya. That's a big deal because starting next year, the Tanzanian League will get two teams automatically qualified to the Champions League instead of just one. 12 is the cutoff line for that. Uh, So obviously to get here, they qualified as the league champions from last year. Uh, the 2020-2021 Premier League, they are number one with just a few matches to go in that season. Uh, number one on offense, they score over two goals per game. Number one on defense, they've only allowed 10 in their 25 matches. Uh, it's going to be really Really exciting to see whether the kind of mediocre team from the great league is better than the excellent team from this slightly lesser but still good league. Um, This is as far as uh, Simba have ever gotten, actually, in the Champions League. They did also make the quarterfinals back in 2018-19. Most impressively this year, uh, not only, you know, the fact that they're about to win their domestic league, but... Here in terms of this tournament, they just won Group A, and in that group was Al Ali, one of the uh, from Egypt, which is one of the historically best teams in all of Africa. They went uh, Simba went four one in one, pretty average on offense. Uh, defense where their bread got buttered. They only allowed two goals in the group stage. But they did have to play a couple of games before the group stage, and apparently they were scoring a little bit more before that because tied for number one in event scoring is Luis uh 
Mikisane from uh, Mozambique. I'm sure I'm butchering his name. Sorry about that, Luis. He is a midfielder, just 25 years old, and he's almost got uh, 50 caps for uh, the Tanzanian national football team as well. This should be an exciting match. Don't know how easy it would be to find on the internet, but we're going to give it a go. PSA. The phrase number two is bathroom talk. We know what it means. No need for us to run the mood details. You have a choice. Planet Earth, 1B3456, and so on. Viva la revolution. Out with the old. And with number B. Dad says this would be a great mini preview for me to cover. The Nepal Super League is only three weeks old. League noob. Meet person noob. Now Nepal has had a top league for a long time. You know it as the Marjorie's Memorial A Division League, or just a national league. It's been rated the number 36 league of 46 in the AFC. Dad used to work with a guy originally from there. Became a big manig Marshiangdi fan. We've read nothing indicating the league is going is going away. That said, they normally play from November to March and they didn't hold a 2021 season. Perhaps these things are up in the air. Time will tell. Now instead you get the Super League. It's professional for the first time there. Just seven franchise clubs. No relegation. Just a single round robin regular season, then four team playoffs are these last three weeks. All the matches have been played in the big stadium in Kathmandu. Seats 15,000. They've all been on AP1 TV. Good luck finding it on the interwebs. Also, the playoff format is unique. Now, the top two teams for the regular season played in the first round of the playoffs the winter got to, uh, the winner rather got to jump straight ahead to the final the loser of that match uh, got to play the winner of the number 3 versus number 4 match uh, for the right to be the other team in the finals uh, also another note we're unsure if the winner will get of this will get a berth into the AFC Cup tournament which is the secondary international club tournament in Asia uh, think of it as Europa League but more just for like developing nations none of the biggest countries teams go there in any case our research says that the 2022 AFC Cup will still feature one team from Nepal now will that team be um, the champion of this league this year or will it be a champion or some other club from last year's National League? Uh, again, time will tell. We're not sure. Maybe they even haven't decided. And at last, your final regular season, number B, Dengali Versailles. Versus? Number one, Katmandu Razors for the playoff title. Razors won the regular seasons by three. Dengali. You 
beat Lally per city by one for second place. Dangadi won the regular season match against Razors 3-0. Dangadi also won the first playoff round match 1-2. Dangadi is a city of about 15,000 in the far west province. It borders in the Indian state of Uttar Pradesh. It's only the 10th biggest city in the country. The team went 3-1-2 to to two for the regular season with just above average offense and defense. Their captain, and I wanted to cover this because even I'm not sure of the pronunciation, is uh, Kyran or Kiran perhaps, uh, Kim Yong or Kim Jong. He's their goalie. Uh, he's really good. He's appeared for the national team for Nepal over 60 times. Uh, but their best overall player, to be honest, is probably Bishal Rai. He's an attacking midfielder who'd been playing uh, for my team, which is one of the three best from the uh, Martyrs A division, uh, Manang Marshangdi. Uh, he's made a handful of Nepal national team appearances himself since 2014. And now, Kathmandu Razors, as well as R-A-Y-S-R-Z. I guess it's supposed to be cooler that way? On the crest. The S even looks like a 2. Bad job. Really good defense, stinky defense. Uh, their captain and probably best overall player is uh, Bikesh uh, Kutu. He is uh, also a goalie. Uh, he's been playing for the National League's Army Club team, which is another one of the three best uh, from the National League or the uh, Martyrs uh, A Division League. A Division League. It's like from the Redundancy Department of Redundancy, I think. <laughs> In any case, he's made a few appearances for the national team, but apparently he's been uh, behind the goalie from the other team from today. I'm Person Noob. And I remain Soccer Noob. And that's your Noob League match number B. Match number three. And now we move to Sunday on the calendar and already to our third Confederation stop of the podcast. I told you we're different than anybody else. We like to bounce around. Match number three, we're to Europe for the UEFA Women's Champions League final, specifically to Sweden. It's going to be played in uh, Gothenburg, which uh, is a city with uh, three different teams. It's sort of the uh, traditional historical home of all great things football, Sweden, and home to the top league powerhouse IFK. But in any case, IFK isn't playing in the final, as you might imagine. It's two of the big ones. Uh, Chelsea Women FC are uh, on paper listed as the home team, and they are taking on the ladies of Barcelona for the continental title. And exciting, this is going to be the first time that any club, no matter who wins, will have had sometime in their history both a men's and a women's Champions, Champions League winner. Now, what I'm even more excited about is I love watching the women's game, but I tend to look at things from a club and a historical league perspective, and the women's game sort of all around the world isn't known for necessarily having a lot of parity. Uh, some countries and leagues spend a lot of time and money and effort on it, and other places like in South America, for example, uh there's only one or maybe two countries that are really putting very much effort into it. So um, it's nice to see parity, at least over in Europe here, because neither of these teams is from one of the top two leagues in Europe. And I'm not sure that's ever happened either. A little bit about each Chelsea. Uh, they play in the Women's Super League in England, of course. That is the number three rated UEFA league. Up one from a year ago. They just passed Spain, in fact, in the coefficients. Uh, they've made the Champions League semifinal the last two years. 
They qualified for this year's event uh, by being number one in the WSL when the season was abandoned for COVID. Uh, this year, the WSL season just finished, and they won again by uh, just two points in the table. It's very tight. Uh, they had the number one offense and defense of the league going, uh, neither by tons. It was very much a tight three-horse uh, three race, if you will, at the top, uh, both in terms of the points and the statistics. Uh, in getting to the final, they won 1-2 and then 4-1 at home in a blowout to come from behind against Bayern Munich in the semifinal. Bayern Munich, that's a big deal because uh, Wolfsburg has been the uh, perennial true powerhouse in that league with Bayern Munich sort of playing a 1B role in and uh, this year, that has flipped for the first time in a while. Tied for number one in event scoring is uh, forward Fran Kirby. She is English, and she's almost got 50 national team caps she's been earning since 2014. Other side of the ball, Barcelona. They made the Champions League final just two years ago, but they've never won it. Uh, they were also number one last year in their own league there in Spain when the uh, season was COVID abandoned. Uh, this year in the league, uh, not quite as tight as it was over in England. 26 wins, no draws, no no losses, 128-4, five goals conceded. Just, you almost have to wonder if it's misinformation or a title, because that's insane to score nearly five goals a match and only be, only allowing about one every five matches. Uh, they beat PSG uh, one to one and then two to one in the semifinal to advance to this final. Tied for number one in event scoring, Jennifer Hermoso. Uh, she tends to play false nine and some attacking midfielder. Um, if you want to look for her, if you can find this on TV, and then she's earned a bunch, almost 100 national team caps. She's been playing for the uh, WNT there in Spain since 2011. Match number four. And while that wraps up our weekend's matches, we are nowhere near done as we race onward to Thursday, but not yet. Monday is the day for our next match, number four. And we stay in Europe, although not for nearly as quote-unquote important a game as the UFA Women's Champions League. I put that in quotes because we like to cover leagues big and small. If the match is important where it's being played, there's a pretty good chance Team Noob is covering it. To effect, Albania. We're headed to their top flight, the Categoria Superior. This is just the number one, 41 UEFA rated league, and that's even down three from a year ago. Uh, they get only the minimum uh, number of qualifications for your European leagues, two or three teams to the uh, new tertiary ECL international tournament that's going to be behind the Europa League, and then a first qualifying round berth into the Champions League. But the domestic league race is really something. Five teams are still in the title hunt, like within something like five points with just four matches to go. This is a one versus number B matchup. Number one, Tiuta Duras versus number B Partizani and Tiuta lead by just one in the table. A little bit about them. Their nickname is the Sea Boys. Uh, they play in the second biggest city in the country of Duras. That is a west central port city on the Adriatic, about 175,000. Uh, what's one of the things I found it was most famous for? Well, um, historically every so often people need to get the heck on out of Albania in droves. And this is a city that is one of the best ones to flee from because apparently tens of thousands of people have done it over the decades. In any case, for the rest of the name Tiuta, that actually means queen and it is named for a queen of that name back when this area historically was part of a kingdom or area called Illyria. That was all the way back in the third century BC, but a fun little historical factoid. 
more modernly. Last year, they made the Europa League uh, and they got to the second qualifying round that is tied for the best that they have ever done internationally in any tournament. They've only won the league title once, 1993-94. Last year, mid-pack at number five. This year, they're in very good form late. They are 3-1-1 one, one in their last five. That is largely due to their outstanding defense. They're number one in the league in that category, but they're actually below average on offense. Uh, tied for number two in league scoring, so apparently he gets all of it, is Devi Bregu. And just a little interesting side note, his name means shore. Now, Partizani. Uh, they are known as the Red Bulls, but they are not part of the uh, Red Bull drink-making company's uh, portfolio that has uh, Leipzig and uh, Austrian team Salzburg among, and, uh, of course, uh, uh, New York Red Bulls. They're not a part of that. But who knows, maybe in the future, since they already have the nickname. This was actually founded as an army team historically. And despite the name Partizani, uh, which is somewhat common throughout Europe, when a team has a political affiliation, this team doesn't actually have one at all. Uh, they play out of the capital city of Toronto. In 2016-17, they made the Champions League. They got to go in place of Skenderbau. Uh, they won a second qualifying match, and that is one of the only wins that they have ever had internationally. Uh, Skenderbau, by the way, didn't get to go because they had been uh, caught on a uh, the biggest match-fixing scheme probably ever in UEFA. I think they're still banned from international play, in fact. But back to the Red Bulls. They have 16 league titles to their credit, but only one this century. But that was just two years ago. Last year, they finished number six. They're in decent form, 3-2-0 and oh in their last five. In fact, they haven't lost a game since March 7. So by good form, let's say great form, number one offense in the league and the second best defense, number one in goal differential. I think this is the team that's going to win the league, to be honest. On the scoring leaderboard, they tend to pass it around quite a bit, but their main man is Yasir Asani. He's a winger, 25 years old. Uh, he represents this country internationally, but was born in North Macedonia. Match number five. We stay in Europe yet again for a Tuesday match and head to England for the Premier League, where, as I'm sure you know, there are just two matches left in the season. And one of the big, shiny, important matches from there is number four, Chelsea, taking on number three, Leicester City. Leicester lead Chelsea in the table by two. Chelsea, in turn, lead number five, West Ham, by six points, which is, of course, important because the top four are going to get Champions League berths. It looks like it's all but settled, and this match has potentially with a Chelsea win to really take care of that. And... This is the point of the podcast, one of them where I like to sometimes point out that Noob is not just a character. Noob is my life. Do I really know that much about soccer, person Noob? One quarter out of 58 quarters of soccer, you know. That mathematically makes no sense. And I would like to point out we're only doing 10 matches today instead of 10 regular matches plus 13. The one episode where we believe in math, and you're going to about talk about 58 quarters. But you know what? You're my co-host. You're my daughter. I love you. And we can do it your way. So the point all being, yes, I am noob. It's not just something I've made up for this. I'm fairly new to, uh, to following soccer. If you found this show, you probably found many other podcasts. And all of those hosts are going to be able to give you much more in-depth, deeper dives into this match than I will. So instead, when it comes to points like this, we like to talk about food. Food, that's yeah. right. So, I'm eating food in the background, so is my dad. Oh, that's okay. We're not that professional of a show. All right, so let's learn about food from each of these areas. 
Uh, Chelsea, uh, this is a very famous uh, London and I think West London specific dish. And you'll love the name. I didn't give her any of this in advance. Person noob, how would you like to eat something called toad in the hole? Without knowing anything about it. What do you think of that name? Uh, I don't know. I'm not a professional in food, even though I do run a food part of this podcast. That's true. Nevertheless, well, let's talk a little bit about toad in the hole and see if we can make it sound appetizing. It's not actually toad. It is little sausages. They're baked into big bready pudding called Yorkshire pudding. It's not like creamy pudding, like dessert pudding we have here in the U.S. It's more of a more of a soft, light, egg-whipped bread pudding, if you will. It's got little tiny sausages inside. Now, what it might be named for is the way a toad can tend to burrow and then pop up to eat its prey, but that's never really been established by experts. Toad is never used, although sometimes you will have the kidney from a lamb. Uh, historically, this was very popular like 150 years ago when it first started being made as a great way to stretch meat by poor people because meat, of course, very expensive. So they might take leftover meat from a stew, the little sausages, and bake this into the very white-lipped pudding. So that's something that you can enjoy the next time you're in London, person new. I'm never going to London. Oh, you might go to London. We might make a ton of money on this podcast someday and go wherever we want. But maybe we'll want to go to Leicestershire instead, where Leicester City is, and try the famous pork pie. How does that sound by name? It's a taste. They're two tasty things. I don't think they go well together. Yeah, I think I'm going to come out on the same side of you as this, but let's read a little bit more about it. Now, you might be thinking of like a, a chicken pot pie, something's big that you could have for a whole meal. These are actually, in England, uh, pork pies are snack-sized. And you don't serve them hot. It's got pork in it, but you serve it either room temperature or cold traditionally. Now, what's inside is roughly chopped pork and then pork fat surrounded by jellied pork broth in its uh, all encased in what's called a hot water crust. And they're, they're, real, they're real small, again, snack size. Now, the best ones are made in a town that's uh, within, it's not in Leicester proper, but it's in Leicestershire called Menton... Melton Mowbray. That is a protected name, which means that to carry that name, they have to be made in the town. Uh, they're not they're not as cheap as regular pork pies. It's usually a pretty inexpensive snack, but they do a much higher meat content in the Melton Mowbray version. Uh, that's not the only difference. Uh, they do a hand-formed crust, which is a really big deal. And uh, even bigger, they use uncured pork instead of cured pork. So very interesting taste and texture. And then they never even serve this room temperature. It is specifically served cold. Now, uh, what, what it is said, but it's probably not true, uh, when they first started getting popular in this section of England, they were associated with fox hunting. Leicester City is, of course, the foxes. And so the uh, well-to-dos and nobles and such were into fox hunting. And there was a bit of lore that they liked to uh, carry these things around as snacks when they're out fox hunting. Now, who's carrying around cold pork pies on horseback? Again, probably not true, but it's what made it very popular in this area originally. Now, between these two, person noob, which sounds better to you? Would you like to have a nice, warm, or hot Yorkshire pudding with sausage inside or cold, chopped up pork in a pie? I'd rather have toad in the hole. 
Toad in the hole, I think, is a winner. There's just something about, I'm a texture guy, and there's something about it being chopped or even minced I don't like to begin with, and then it's jellied, but it's cold. Uh, you know what? I'm probably just a soft American, but uh, Melton Mowbray, Mowbray up. Heat, do a noob a favor and heat those things up. Yes, the management has decided for some reason that the sound of Persanoob imitating our kitties is the sounder that signifies it is time for us to take a break from our current tracking of the coming week's matches and do what we purport to do, namely that is track. Let's take a look at a recap of last week's episode's Tender Track matches. Match number one was a Friday match from the Saudi Pro League. Number B Al Shabab took on number one Al Hilal, and it was the favorites in a route. Hilal won one to five. May we said to look for had a brace of goals. Bafa Timbigomi see had the first and the game-winning goals in this match. Saturday, we went to La Liga for match number B, where number three Barcelona was taking on number one Atletico Madrid, and it was a nil-nil draw. Barcelona with the point actually move up to number two, but everything is really tight at the top in Spain, and more so now than ever. Match number three, South Africa's FA Cup final was between actually two of the three worst teams in the Premier League based on this year's table, TTM and Chip United. And it was TTM getting a 1-0 win, and so they have earned the berth into Africa's Confederation Cup. That's effectively their Europa League, secondary international tournament. Match number four was effectively a preseason tournament final, the NWSL Challenge Cup. NJNY Gotham City FC took on Portland Thorns and your favorites, Portland won. 1-1 and then 6-5 on penalty kicks. Sunday, match number 5, we went to Italy's Serie A, where at the time that I scouted it, I believe it had changed since then, before the broadcast, number 3 Juventus taking on number 4 Milan. I believe Juventus, by the time they played this one, maybe down in 5th, That oddly enough. Uh, the result was a Milan win, nil 3 That is the first time they have won at Juventus in a decade. Uh, Hakan Chalano had an assist guy we said to look for. Uh, Milan are now up to third and tied with uh, number B, Atalanta, on points. And if they weren't already there, uh, Juventus ends up in fifth place after that particular day. Match number six, Denmark's Superliga. We had number B, Bronby, taking on number one, Mituland. And it was Bronby getting the win three to one. Uh, let's see, uh, Mituland's lead is now down to just one point. And they had the disadvantage of losing a guy to a straight red card in the 40th minute. Talk about bad timing this late in the season. Match number seven, we went to Germany's uh, Frauenbundesliga, the Gals. Uh, number B, VFL Wolfsburg, taking on number one, Bayern Munich, and the result was a 1-1 draw. Wednesday, match number eight, we went to Uganda's Premier League for number B, Vipers, taking on number one, URA. That's the Revenue Authority. It's like I said last week, it's like rooting for the IRS. <laughs> I don't get that at all. In any case, the result was a 1-1 draw. Uh, match number nine was just a beauty passion type list of all the various FA Cup finals that had taken place during the week that we decided we just didn't have time to cover all of them because that would have doubled the length of the podcast. Feel free to use your Google powers and find out uh, who won FA Cups last week on your own, gosh darn it. Do some of the work here. Uh, Thursday, match number 10, France's FA Cup semifinal was a fun one. GFA Rumeli Valers taking uh, Valier taking on Monaco and that GFA team, they were from the fourth tier of uh, French league football. And unfortunately, the result came out as such. 
The result was Monaco winning one to five. But there was hope for a little while. Uh, GFA actually scored the first goal, so they were ahead for a time, looking briefly like they may ha might head to the final. Uh, player we said to look for for Monaco, uh, Monaco it's really good, Alexander uh, Golovin scored. Our route of the week. Explanations on these uh, bonus matches, these last three, will come a little bit later on when we do the new ones. The route of the week, Saturday match. We went to Luxembourg's National Division, number 16 FC Edzella, uh, Estella Edelbrook taking on number one CS Fola Esch. Unsurprisingly, uh, Edelbrook were roadkill. CSFE beat them three to nil. Or no, that was the first result. Actually, Edelbrook won. What am I saying? I was so shocked that I forgot. They pulled off a 3-2 win to take the second match of the season. Uh, they actually, uh, FE, uh, blew a 2-0 uh, lead in this game. Zachary Haji had a goal. Uh, and this drops Fola Esch down to uh, second place and out of a Champions League spot. And Stella Edelbrook still in last place. Our most meaningless match in the world Saturday, we went to Panama's LPF. And it was uh, the Eastern Division's number five, Arabe Unido, taking on the East's number four, Sporting San uh, Miguelito. And uh, the visitors got the win. Miguelito won one to two. That moves them into uh, third place and actually into a league playoff spot, believe it or not. Maybe not so meaningless after all. I'm 0 for 2 for these bonus matches. Disappointed, the match of disappointed. Uh, Tuesday, we went to Croatia's first Croatia's first football league for last place NK Istra 1961, taking on second to last place NK Lokomotiva. And it was a 1-1 draw. Unsurprisingly, these disappointing matches usually go to a draw because nobody is allowed to win when there's so much disappointedness involved. Uh, for Lokomotiva guy, we said to look for Josip uh, Piverich actually did manage to score. He got it on a penalty. And that wraps up your episode 32 recap from last week's 10 to track matches. Let's now dive right back into the current week's tracking with match number six. We really like to get our frequent flyer miles and hit all the federations we can. Wednesday, we're headed to South America for their Champions League, or as they call it, the Copa Libertadores. They are in the group stage there, and uh, each of the teams has played four of the six matches for this part of the tournament. There are eight groups of four clubs each. The top two in each are going to advance. Every team that finishes number three in their group will drop into the Copa Sudamericana, their secondary tournament, sort of their Europa League, uh, into the round of 16. And your matchup is number four, Deportivo Tachira out of Venezuela versus number B, Always Ready. One of those fun names, and they are out of Bolivia. They play in group number B, and one of the two teams that, uh, two reasons I have chosen these two teams from this group is because with two matches to go in the group stage, all four of these teams have identical records 2 0 oh, and 2, six points each. So goal differential is where the tie-breaking is happening for the moment. To that end, Internacional out of Brazil, they are ahead by, they have a goal differential of six. Uh, always ready have a positive of two. Olympia and uh, Tachira are both at negative four. Olympia is ahead on goals scored. The next tiebreaker, uh, they have seven to Tachira's five. And you can catch this one on TV if your satellite package is deep enough. You can find it on BN Sports at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. A little bit about each of our combatants. Tachira, 
They are, of course, out of Venezuela. They play out of the capital, San Cristobal. Uh, Tachira is actually the name of the state, which I did not know. Uh, the Primera Division there, the top flight, according to Kilk algorithms, Conmebol doesn't officially uh, rate their various leagues the way that some places do. But this is a side I like, and they rate them as number 9 of 10. Uh, Peru is last, and I think Peruvian fans would have a lot to say about that. But it's just good and interesting to know that Venezuela is not one of your stronger ones of the 10 leagues there in Conmebol. Nor is this one of the strongest teams, and this is the other reason that I wanted to talk about this particular matchup. We love underdogs. In Conmebol, they do rate the clubs, and this is only rated number 60 on the continent. They are one of the five lowest-seeded teams to advance, so... Uh, good on them for still being in the mix. Uh, they've been to the Champions League more than any other Venezuelan team. Uh, they made the quarterfinals of the CL in 2004. At the time, and I think it still might be true, they were the only Venezuelan team to ever get past the group stage. They qualified for this year's event by winning one of the two stages, either the Apertura or Clausura, last year, and then they ended up losing in the league playoff final, but still as a stage winner, they qualified. Uh, they're in decent form. They just beat Internacional 2-1 to one on their home turf, and uh, their overall streak between this and league play is 3-0-2, pretty decent. In their league, they are 3-0-1. It's very early in the season, but that puts them in first place in the Occidental group or Western group. They've got an Occidental, a Central, and an Oriental or Eastern group for that particular league this year. Uh, offense and defense are uh, a little bit above average and barely average, respectively. Uh, overall, their best player is probably Lucas Emmanuel Gomez. I like veterans. Uh, he's 33 years old, an attacker out of Argentina. I also like looking for a little European connections. You'd have to be a really big UEFA fan for trivia to recognize him from there, though. The only time he was in Europe, he spent about six months in 2018 with an Azerbaijani team called, that's very good called uh, Nefchi. On the other side of the ball, always ready, or as they are known by their nickname, La Banda Roja. The red band is right in their crest. Uh, they officially are listed as playing out of La Paz, but they really play in the second biggest city in the country, which is El Alto. But it's geographically adjacent, so it's all part of the same metro area. Uh, the Primera División in this country is only rated number eight by Conmebol, at least according to kick algorithms. And you thought number 60 for a club rating was low. Well, these guys are really uh, punching above their weight. They're only ranked number 145. And they might be the uh, second, I think they have the second lowest team seating in the entire event, second lowest ranked. Uh, that said, they got here uh, by being the 2020 Apertura champions from their country. That was their first ever win. In fact, in 2018, they were they returned to uh, the top flight in their country for the first time since 1991. Uh, their current form, they just lost to Olympia 1-2 at home. Uh, overall, between this and domestic league, their form isn't as strong right now. They are 1-1-3. One, one, uh, but that said, they deep, they did beat Tachira 2-0 uh, at home for their first group stage match win. Uh, in this event, uh, the offense isn't that great, but they've had the number one defense going. They're letting in exactly uh, one goal to the back of the net per match. In the Bolivian League, which is only a little bit further on than the Venezuelan League, there's seven matches in. This team is only rated currently number 11 in the table out of the 16. And the problem has been, as you might imagine, on offense. Their defense is actually well above average, but the offense is below average. That said, their best overall player is probably a young attacker, 25 years old, uh, Carmelo 
Algaranas, and he's even earned himself four national team caps already. And now is the time of the podcast for no reason whatsoever, and with no segue other than this, we do something called Person Noobs Sanders Review. Here to tell you about it is my illustrious co-host, nine-year-old daughter, Person Noob. What is Person Noob's sandwich? Always remember to say it right, Noobites, with a B on the end. Reviewb. Person Noob Sandwich Review is about reviewing sandwiches because that's a very important part of soccer. <laughs> it's I, very important. I, I literally so- couldn't have said that better myself. Well played, daughter mine. I am training you well. <laughs> It's got nothing to do with anything, and we don't care. You wanted your own segment. We decided on this. So, um, so what's a sandwich review? Do I make the sandwich, or do you make the sandwich? We both do. You yeah, make some, the sandwich for me. Sometimes one, sometimes the other. Do we get to know what's in the sandwich before we try it? No. No, it's always a surprise. And I we... know which one was the best sandwich ever. What was that? <laughs> the one that I made you. The one with, like... The oranges, chocolate, mustard. <laughs> yeah, best is not the adjective. I would have come up with for, the, for that. Now, last week, what kind of sandwich did we review? We didn't review sandwich. We reviewed cereal. Yes, you had cereal. Mommy made herself a very delicious sandwich. English muffin, uh, scrambled egg, and bacon sausage. And we were kind of we were kind of sad. We sounded a little bit forlorn because. We wanted to review that sandwich, but Mommy only made one for herself. She gave you cereal, and she thought I didn't have time because uh, she thought my work meeting was earlier than it was. So we didn't really end up reviewing a sandwich. And we're going to play that same card this week, aren't we? Are we reviewing a sandwich for Person Noob Sandwich Review? No. No. What do we have in front of us? Ice cream. Ice cream. I already ate all the whipped cream. Yes, with whipped cream on top. And what kind of ice cream is it? You'd never had it before, you said. Chunky Monkey. That's right. Ben and Jerry's unpaid sponsor, Chunky Monkey. This is an all-time favorite for me. I used to sneak this into the movie theaters in my shorts in the summertime. (laughs) I know. It should be a really, really funny image. Shorts are the only place in the summertime to really hide ice cream in the movie theater. But it's my favorite. Let's tell the people, if they're not familiar, what's in Chunky Monkey? Chocolate chunks and walnuts. Uh-huh. And it is, uh, rather than vanilla, which used to be your favorite when you were little, um, it is a bana- it is a very light banana-based uh, main flavor for the ice cream. So, uh, you've been having it with the whipped cream. What do you think? Delicious. What's your favorite part? The ice cream. You like the banana? Okay, interesting. To me, banana the Chunky Monkey. Monkey has to have banana because it's monkey. That's the name. I would prefer it with vanilla. But I th- I find it to be a really, really nice change of pace. My favorite point, despite how much they were making me cough on our earlier uh, attempt at doing this segment, uh, is the walnuts. Now, is that your, is that your uh, what do you think of the nuts? Well, she's shaking her head, which doesn't really play well for, you know, radio or a podcast, but I knew the answer to that. She is not a big nuts fan of any kind. So I am slightly enduring the banana flavor of the ice cream. She is enduring the walnuts that are in there. I found a chocolate chunk, and I'm going to eat it. Well, that's what that's there for. Um, so, how many noobs uh, do we give Chunky Monkey ice cream for our rating? How many noobs out of five do we give it? Three. Three noobs. Okay, three. Not too bad. This is, an old, this is an old favorite for me. Despite the base not being my very, very favorite, I give it a four and a half. And that is how we do... Person Noobs, Sanders Review! And now... Back to the soccer talk with... 
Match number seven. Like last week, there are a ton of FA Cup finals coming up this week. We simply have no time to preview them all much as we'd love to, since there are international tournament bursts on the line, in addition to shiny trophies with every single one. But since those tend to be uh, for secondary tournaments, uh, the Asian ones accepted, their winners do get to go to the Champions League, we find it better to roll them all together into one glorious match slot. Last week, we did it beauty pageant style with Whitney Houston orchestral version of Didn't We Almost Have It All playing in the background. This time, we're going to spice things up a bit, kick it up a notch with a Zoolander model shoot homage version. Taking the runway first, Saturday, it's the English FA Cup. Leicester and Chelsea, well, they've already all but confirmed for the Champions League through league play. So the beneficiaries are going to be number six, West Ham, to the Europa League. And as things stand right now, number seven, Tottenham, to the ECL. I think we should get naked. Next up, Cyprus, Anorthosis Famagusta and Olympiacos Nicosia finished outside league international berths. So this is a big one for them. Armenia. You're ridiculously good looking. Is that Le Tigre or Blue Steel? Either way, it's San Marino. Now, this match is La Florida's only chance at European competition. If they win, they'll get to go to the Europa Conference League. They're breakdance fighting. Sunday, United Arab Emirates President's Cup. The winner gets a Champions League berth. The season is over there, and this is Al Nasser's only shot. Look, I gotta go pee, but I'd really like to continue talking about this conversation when I come back. In Turkey's FA Cup final, Antalya Spore is only number 16 in league play, so this is their only shot at European competition. They could win a Europa League berth. Wednesday, Bulgaria. Orange Mocha Frappuccino! In Croatia's FA Cup, it's a first versus last place matchup. Dynamo Zagreb are already heading to Champions League, but Istra 1961 could actually be headed to European play in the same year that they might get relegated. Did you ever think that maybe there's more to life than being really, really, really ridiculously good looking? The Coupe de France. I mean, where in all of God's green goodness am I going to find someone that beef-headed? Copa Italia. In North Macedonia, Academia, Pandev, and Shilex are, this is the only shot that either of them will have at European competition should they win. Happy. 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 <laughs> and in Gibraltar, it's the Rock Cup. Glasses United, this is their only chance at the Europa Conference League. There must be an on button somewhere. Press the Apple thing. 20 years old, still a classic movie. FA Cup Finals, still pretty awesome as well. I just hope that they uh, nobody give them any foamy lattes. That gets them farty and bloated. Now, normally, Team Noob, we cheat on the 10 part of our show name and do 10 quote-unquote official matches, and then we still do our three bonus matches, one of my favorite parts of the program. This week for time, because of the interview we did, uh, we're going to go from uh, match 7, such as it was, into the bonus featured matches for number 8 through 10. 
Now, this is a good time for me to mention my Twitter handle, Soccer Noob USA. That's N-O-O-B, although I'm sure you know that since you found the show. I put out weekly polls on Twitter so that you can choose the content on these featured games. I throw up candidate matches. You select them, and then the first one that you selected is a first versus last place matchup that we like to call... Route, 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 of, 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 the week, 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 week. Excellent job on the homemade echo sound effect, dearest daughter. Our route of the week, or more specifically your route of the week that you've chosen. It was a very, very close vote, but it's going to be a Saturday match. We're headed to Serbia's Superliga, which was founded in its current form in just 2005. This is the number 16 UEFA rated league. That's up three spots from a year ago in those rankings. Uh, they passed up uh, the Czech Republic, Switzerland, and Greece. The latter two are really free-falling in recent years. Uh, as such, uh, they currently get one Champions League first qualifying round berth, but then their uh, ECL berths get to start in the second qualifying round. And, important for one of the two teams in here, a whopping six teams are going to get relegated out of this league to the second division. Now, that's not that uncommon for Europe this year. A lot of leagues chose to promote teams from their second division, but not... Uh, not punish teams that would have normally gotten relegated from the top division into the second division. They left them up. So a lot of these leagues are expanded this year. They will relegate more teams and return to what for them is a more normal size. There are only two matches left in this season, by the way, your matchup number 20, Bachka Bachka Palanka versus number one, red star Belgrade, uh, red star. They won the first match two to nil a little bit about each, uh, Bachka Palanka, that's the name of the city. It's in the northwest part of the country, 30,000 in the town proper, uh, 50,000 uh, in the overall quote unquote metro area. Uh, they've only played in the Division I a couple different times in their history. In fact, in the mid 2010s, they started off all the way back down in the fourth level of Serbian football. Who even knew they might necessarily have that many? And then over the course of five years, I believe it was, got all the way back up into the top division. Uh, last year, they got promoted by being the fourth place finisher in Division Two. I've never heard of so many teams moving up at once. Uh, currently, they trail uh, second to last place, Machva Shabak, by six in the table. And they are miles and miles from safety. They So their only shot is to get to number 19, and even that is slim. Uh, they've got the worst offense in the league going. Uh, the defense is a little closer to respectable, tied for 15th. All-around best player is probably still on offense, a midfielder named uh, Nikola Zakula. He's got six goals for them, or in other words, <laughs> all their goals probably. And a fun fact about this town of Bochka Palanka. In 2002, they became uh, famous, I suppose. They got into the Guinness Book of World Records out on Baker Lake. They made uh, a bunch of people got together and they made four tons of fish stew. So no matter where you are in the world, if you smelled something a little bit funny back in uh, 2002 on a particular date, uh, yeah, you can thank the fish stew at Bagger Lake. Four tons. Just incredible. Red Star Belgrade, your champions of the Serbian League. Uh, nearly half of the country supports this team. They have a real built-in advantage, and they, uh, unlike a lot of big teams in a lot of particularly Eastern European uh, countries, they are not affiliated with one particular social class. Mo sometimes you get teams that are either uh, representing sort of the wealthy, or they might be real uh, blue-collar working-class teams. This is neither one, uh, nor do they have an official political affiliation, although, like a lot of teams, they, they've got an ultras organization that is more than a little bit right-wing. 
Uh, they won what is now the Champions League. It had a different name at the time back in 1990-91 season. Uh, this year, they went to the Champions League and they won first and second qualifying round matches before they lost to Ammonia out of Cyprus on penalty kicks. And then they dropped down to the Europa League in the round of 32 and lost to Milan out of Italy's Serie A on away goals tiebreaker. So uh, really close calls for them to get them out of European competition, unfortunately for them. Um, as I said, they've already won the league. Uh, they beat Partizan, the second place team, by 10. What's amazing about that is that Partisan were even that close because Red Star went 33-3-0 on the year. Number one offense and defense, almost three per game, and they almost had things knocked down on defense to where they were only letting in one goal every other game. Tied for number five on the leading scoreboard. They like to spread it around there, but he's their best. Mirko Ivabich. He is from Montenegro, an attacking midfielder, and he's got 15 national team caps to his credit there in Serbia. Our second bonus match goes the sort of place that, well, no other podcast dare goes. It's one thing to talk about big leagues and teams. We do that. Everybody does that. Or even teams about to get relegated. That's fun. But no other show has the heart and takes the time to shine a spotlight on two perfectly middling teams facing off, equally in their leagues distanced from glory and doom. Person noob, daughter mine, let's sing them in with our Prince knockoff. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. (laughs) Yes, welcome to the most meaningless match in the world. We've taken out Beautiful Girl and replaced it with soccer that doesn't matter. It is a Friday match you voted for. Azerbaijan's Premier League. It's the number 26 UEFA rated league. Uh, two matches remain in their season. Uh, this team, they get a Champions League berth, a couple ECL berths. Not sure if one or zero teams are being relegated. I found conflicting information, and it pretty much doesn't matter. Hence, this is the most meaningless match in the world. And it is number six, FK Kabbalah, taking on number five, Sabah FK. They are tied on points in the table. Uh, Sabah currently lead by eight on goal differential. Uh, both teams are 11 points from number three, so no chance of getting any kind of international berth. They're each only two points from last place, but there's a team in between both of them, so not too much chance that either one's going to finish down at the bottom of the eight. Things have been pretty even between these two on the season. Kabbalah won two to one at home. And then Sabah has uh, played uh, two home games against them six th- since then and won 3-0 and 1-0. So time to see if Kabbalah can hold serve, so to speak, one more time on their home turf. First, about Kabbalah, they are known as the Radars. Not Raiders, Radars. Never did find out why. Uh, let's see, Kabbalah is in the north-central part of the country, has maybe 15,000 people. Uh, one of the things these guys are really famous for in this town is after the uh, Russians... Uh, were kicked out, no longer occupying this uh, country in this era. They really decided to go green. They knocked down hundreds, maybe thousands of Russian buildings and turned so much of it into greenbelt space that they're really somewhat famous for it. Uh, History buffs, this city used to be called Kutkashan. They changed it to uh, the older name of Kabbalah after they gained their independence. Um, This was the name that it had when it was the capital of the country then called Caucasian Albania. Footy-wise, in 2015-16, they made the Europa League group stage, best finish ever internationally. Uh, They finished fourth in the group stage, didn't advance. 
2018-19, they won the FA Cup, so they're not completely without honors, despite being in a meaningless position here. Uh, last year, they were uh, they finished number eighth, but did not get relegated. That lends a little bit of credence to the idea that maybe there's no relegation this year, but we shall see. Uh, not in terribly great form, and yet perhaps in one of their better forms this season. They're 0-2-3 in their last five. They actually haven't won a game since February 25. Makes you wonder how hot their season's start was that they're not in that place when they're in that kind of stretch. Uh, worst offense in the league going, tied for the worst defense in the league going. They let in one and a half uh, goals per game on the dot, just woof. And uh, worst goal differential in the league. So uh, these guys must be turning ties into occasional wins or were earlier in the season because I can't figure out how they're even in sixth place. Now, this all said, uh, five, defensively, five of the team or offensively, five of the teams don't even score uh, one match per game. It's a very top-heavy league, and that might be playing to the benefit of uh, Kabbalah. They just happen to be a little bit higher than some teams that maybe they're not even as good as. Meanwhile, Sabah. They were founded in just 2017, so if that club name is unfamiliar, that's why. They made, uh, sort of, the top flight uh, the next year, 2018, but only because four teams above them all declined or didn't qualify for Division One status, so Sabah got to get to be promoted. Now, that, that is not the name of the town they're from, by the way. They're from a city called Masasir, and I say city very loosely. It's about 10 miles southeast of Baku, but that actual city only has about, or village really, only has about 3,500 people. It's in the far east central part of this nearly most eastern central district within the country. And it's right on a beautiful lake called, uh, I'm going to, I'm not sure if it's a hard G or a soft G, but uh, Masasir Gel. I googled up some pictures and it's just gorgeous. Uh, last year, they finished number six in the league. Uh, statistically, unlike their opponents today, they're just where they should be. Number five offense and defense. Best all around player they have going. Kevin Kubemba, he is from the Democratic Republic of Congo, or at least he represents them. Uh, he's actually uh, French-born, and he's got five or six goals for him. He played for three different French Division I teams, though not tons and tons of appearances. Uh, most recently, before coming to Azerbaijan, and this is the second club he's played for there, he played for a French third-tier team named Borges uh, Peronas. And he played for uh, the Congolese national team 4,000, 4,000, four times back in 2014. And now, dearest new bites, if I may affectionately refer to you as such, we come to the end of our podcast episode road. As always for this show, we don't finish on notes of happiness or joy, but rather with wailing and gnashing of teeth. What fresh hell is this, we ask every seven days. Hold nothing but scorn in your hearts for these two sad sack bottom feeder clubs. This is the match of... Disappointed! Ooh, Kevin Sorbo, you still never cease to send Herculean shivers down my spine. I won't say if that's in the best or worst ways. Mm. Anyway... <laughs> Oh, my wife's going to hear that. The match of Disappointed. Uh, the two bottom teams in some top flight domestic leagues table. Which one have you voted on? It is a Sunday match from the Scotland Premiership. 
This is the number 11 league in UEFA. That's up three from a year ago, passing uh, Ukraine, Turkey, and Denmark. And that is absolutely no thanks whatsoever from these two putrid teams. One of them is going to get relegated for certain. Uh, the second-to-last place finisher has to play in a relegation playoff match. They will play the second-place team from the second division in Scotland. It's probably going to be Yo-Yo Team Dundee. This is the last match of the season, and it is between... Number 12, Hamilton Academical versus number 11, Kilmarnock. I'm not sure I'm getting my emphases on the right syllables there, but that's what we're going with. Killies, as is their nickname, or Killy, they lead by three and 18 on goal differential. So uh, Hamilton's not going to catch him. Hamilton's going down unless they win by the most famous soccer scorer almost of all time. Um, Kilmarnock also trail Ross County by three, and they lead them on goal differential by 19. That's the team with the worst goal differential. So if Kilmarnock can get a win and Ross County lose to number seven Motherwell, then it'll be Ross County that uh, ends up having to play in that RPO. Uh, how have things gone between these two teams? Well, Hamilton won one nothing on their home turf. Uh, the other two times... Two times they've played so far at Kilmarnock. Uh, the scores went 2-1 and 2-0. So everybody's defended home turf so far. A little bit now about these horrible, sad soccer cases. The Ackies, Hamilton, Academical. They're from the south-central part of the country, the Scottish Lowlands. Uh, they're in the northwest part of their area of South uh, Lanarkshire. Town's got about 55,000 people. This is only about a dozen miles southeast of Glasgow. So it's in that greater area. Uh, let's see. They are back in Division One only now as of 2014-15 uh, season. They are a definitional yo-yo team. They go up and down quite a bit. Last year, they finished in 11th place in the league, but last year there was no relegation playoff match. They just relegated one, and that was that. So lucky for you, possibly, Hamilton Academical. Or was it so lucky because you're terrible this year? Uh, let's see. Their form, they are on a one zero and four streak. Uh, they beat St. Mirren one to two, got a road win two matches ago. They're seven, nine and 21 on the year. Uh, number 10 offense working. Uh, the bottom half is really tight in that regard, yet they don't even quite manage one match per game. Their defense is even worse. They let in almost two goals per game. That's good for second to last in the league. Uh, I even hesitate to use this word, but the, uh, best all around player they have least bad. Uh, Hakeem Odafin, he is from England, a central midfielder, 23 years old. Uh, he's a defensively oriented center midfielder, uh, particularly good at tackling. Uh, Wolverhampton had the rights to him from 2016 through 18, but they exclusively loaned him out to a team all the way down in the fifth level of the English pyramid, the National League, a town called or a club called Eastleigh. Uh, and the other thing that this club is famous for or infamous for in 2017, talk about disappointed. Somebody in their office in the financial area fell for a voice phishing scam and it cost them a million bucks. Uh, a couple of somebody's called, had a routine worked out where it sounded like they were confirming things and were saying, hey, to protect your funds or something going down, you need to move them from where they are to this other place. And that $1 million was pretty much the entirety of the club's working funds. And this is a club that had ceased to be in the 1970s and nearly ceased to be one other time a couple of decades later. So they've always been in financial trouble. So, wow. 
Meanwhile, Kilmarnock, the team that has a little bit of hope. They're called Killy, uh, but they have squirrels on the crest. I wish that were the official nickname. I could get behind with that. I almost named myself Soccer Squirrel instead of Soccer Noob, searching out shiny things from all over the globe. Uh, these guys have the uh, fame of being the oldest pro club in Scotland, 152 years old. Uh, they've been to the Europa League a few times over the years. Uh, they've done no better than winning like a preliminary round and maybe a first qualifying round game this century. Three times they've won FA Cup titles, but not since 1996-97. They did get to host a, hoist a trophy in 2011-12, but that was just the League Cup, the tertiary trophy in the country. Uh, last year, they finished number eight in the league. This year, they just lost in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup, so a decent little run there. 2-1-2 uh, two, two is their streak in league matches right now, but 0-1-1 oh, one one in their last two, 9-6-22 on the year. It almost sounds like I have a tiny bits of positive things to say about this team. This isn't fitting the match of disappointed at all. In any case, um, they should be higher than they are looking at the stats. Number five offense is really good. Tied for number nine on defense isn't great. And their goal differential is number nine, but that's not befitting of one of the bottom two teams. So they must, they must really stink at closing out games or something. They've had a lot of draws that have turned into losses or something. Best all-around player, quote-unquote, Alan Power. He's from the Republic of Ireland. Uh, central midfielder, very defensive-oriented, veteran, 33 years old. He spent the heart of his career over in England in League One, the third pyramid tier, uh, with a club called Lincoln City. And unlike his counterpart from the other team, uh, this guy's uh, strength is his passing. He's got a very astounding 80% pass accuracy rate. Get on a better team. Get over to... Oh, I don't know. One of the Sheffield clubs or somebody, you know, that's in or going to be in the championship. My goodness. And the fun fact I found about this team, they have an unofficial or maybe it's even an official uh, club or supporters anthem, a song called Paper Roses. I can't remember if she did the original or a cover, but in 2013, Marie Osmond made a surprise appearance and came over and sang Paper Roses at one of the games to all the fans. Marie must be a lot more country than rock and roll because she didn't have the sense to stay away from this putrid club. We'd wish them good luck, but they deserve it not. To you two clubs, when you come home for the holidays, you are absolutely not allowed to bring over your significant others even. In fact, if you must come at all, please call ahead. Your mother and I will open the garage so you can pull in without the neighbors having to see you. You desperate, pathetic black soccer sheep and that's how we do things here at the match of disappointed along with our booing and bronx cheer Boo! Boo! you stink wear bags over your head then you can't see and you'll get even worse ha 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 and that will put a bow on the usual matches and such for episode number 33. Now, before we hit the interview segment, I'll take the time now to do my uh, usual thanks for the management for his editing and production efforts, to Dan the Interno Inferno for his contributions, to Person Noob for everything she does, and who she is. Daughter, love of my life. Love you. And to you for listening. Love you too, but in a platonic and not overly creepy way. And now, on to our first ever interview. I am here with Columbus SC Triangle. 
Now, for those listening who aren't familiar, uh, here's a Reader's Digest version. Uh, Columbus is a founding MLS uh, club, and they just went through a rebrand. They had been Columbus Crew, always had been previously, and they are now simply Columbus SC. Thousands upon thousands of fans are decidedly unhappy with losing the crew, at the very least officially, such an integral part of the identity to this fan community. Uh, now, with this rebrand is, has come a new crest as well, and it's uh, pennant-shaped, I believe, like the uh, state flag of Ohio, with a uh, kind of a bent-up C filling most of the space. The bottom left portion of that C uh, sort of fills or spills into one of the hanging uh, pennant-shaped triangles uh, in the lower left side. The right-hand side, the other, was simply filled with a triangle shape. Now, apart from all the vitriol over this rebrand, uh, the right side triangle has sort of found his own interest in fame. So, today, Noob gets an exclusive sit-down chat with Columbus SC Triangle, model and brand spokesman, it turns out. He'll uh, answer everybody's burning questions that I've been seeing all over Twitter and other places in the news. Uh, hopefully, we'll get some insight into the overall situation, uh, plus learn about this uh, model-slash-actress career. And so... Welcome, Columbus SC Triangle. Thanks for having me, but I'm confused. When my agent called me, I thought he said this was soccer news. I am noob. Yeah, I gather that now. You already seem more eccentric than I thought. I'll just start off. I'm a triangle. Been acting and modeling for decades. I'm repped by United Talent Agency. So, quick plug. You need a triangle? UnitedTalent.com I'm not the only working three-sider out there, but if you're looking for experience in both modeling and spokesmanship, I'm your shape. For decades, wow. This is a side of Hollywood and such that I had no idea existed. Uh, what's something else we would know you from? Well, every triangle can get the odds and ends jobs. Stuff to keep you on the guild benefits, even with no official credits necessarily. But the first big thing you might not even believe. I was the model for the original play button. I'm not even familiar with that movie or TV show title, original or remake. No, VHS machine and the stuff. The play button. No acting, pure modeling. I was the first. I had an exclusive contract doing that for them for years and years. Resume gets left a little thin with longer term jobs like that. But it's hard to be a star as a human, exponentially harder as a geometric shape. You take the money. But eventually that, of course, became generic. My contract ran out. Lots of other triangles take all the newer jobs. The work gets spread out, so it's been good for lots of triangles. You don't seem bitter. That's wonderful. It's the business. No one takes you seriously unless you buy a house in Hollywood or the like. And that allowed me to. Plus, my next gig was pretty lucrative as well. The lame joke to make would be, mm, my second job was a trivial one, yet anything but. <laughs> I was the model and inspiration for the history widget in Trivial Pursuit. Get out of here. No, you get out of here. Each widget was a different triangle model. I am paler. I happen to be the history one. That was harder work up front than the play button stuff. They wanted a full body cast make of me for one thing. 
Even triangles have places you do not want hot wax lingering. <laughs> but after that, it was photo work mostly. Some conventions and spokesmanship along with the rest of the widgets. Oh, those were the days. We still joke that they should have blown up the Riviera on the north side of Vegas Strip after our last party there instead of waiting another decade. That was the pinnacle. Anyway, that kept me on exclusive contract for a lot of years. Plus there was work on all the game variants after that. They wanted fresh shoots for those game boxes and stuff. Sounds like you've had a storied career. Sure, but not everything is easy for a triangle. My next big thing, sure, it paid the bills, but it was a wild ride and not always in the best ways. You got pointed in a bad direction. Original. <clears throat> anyway, uh, 1997 to 2011, I starred on the Teletubbies. Oh my stars, you were Tinky Winky! Yeah, the purple triangle antenna on his head. That was an educational experience. Detail me, hero. You make it sound fabulous, but that was work. First thing, I'll never take an upside-down roll again. I don't follow. I had to play that point down. Upside down, I threw up all over Dave Thompson the very first day after 11 hours of shooting. Little known fact, that's why Simon Shelton took over the role after. Anti-nausea stuff helped, but it was always more than uncomfortable. I wish that was the worst of it, but wow. The whole show was psychedelic. Hard to stay motivated as an actor when you don't know what the fruit is going to on any darn episode. And can never party with those guys. Sounds like you needed to party, though. Well, needed to drink. But I did that alone. And then went to Betty Ford. Alone. Oh my word. Don't judge. You try spending four years with method actors who get thrown in those costumes and told to ad-lib. Bunch of Daniel Day-Lewis and Val Kilmer wannabes. Method actors don't ad-lib. Not and have their own or anyone else's mental health able to remain intact. I said no to the revival in 2014. At the behest of my sponsor, if not my agent. And now you are the Columbus SC Space Filling Triangle. No offense to MLS or Columbus, but that feels a little smaller than what you've done before. Has work been hard to come by? I've been very lucky over the course of my career. Made some decent money, never went without gigs or at least residuals. I'm semi-retired now, more or less. I, I wanted to remodel my kitchen. This pays for that. I anticipate the brand spokesman work with Columbus SC won't be easy. Ugh, fans are so irked. But after Teletubby conventions, ugh, there's nothing I can't handle. You think bronies would be bad? Try adult fans from that show. Oof. Also, I'd like to keep my benefits running. Back in the day, I could just guest on Murder, She Wrote and be good for a year. But the times change. So, a big question people are most wanting to know about the current gig. In Columbus SC's crest, why were you hired? I, rather, I should say, I mean, why is it there at all? Columbus SC has trusted me with their spokesmanship for this part of the crest. They've never officially said in any sort of press release. 
There are lots of ideas on what it means out there. Some are serious. Some have been jokes. They stand for virtues of club, fans, city, or other similar trios of virtues. Some people are snide, say it points downward as notice of the direction the new ownership might take, stuff like that. Well, what's the truth? The truth comes in layers. One won't surprise, it's visual symmetry. It looked odder as just black, empty space. They also did some focus group work and discovered an issue. With editing so easy, it became clear that way too many people were going to Photoshop too many things in that space. Water down the crust brand, if you will. And more than just soccer balls or crew or 96. It's what would have been most popular was downright disturbing. Nick Cage's crazy face. John Stamos' crazy face. Dave Coulier. Heck, any and everyone from the Full House cast. And phalluses. So many phalluses were feared it was giving the marketing guys nightmares I heard. And all that was just the tip of the iceberg. Old Triangle was the safe play. It's all a distraction from legal trouble. Ooh, the scoop at last. People get talking about the Triangle. They may be less likely to try suing to get their old name and crest back or some such. Maybe, but that's not what I'm talking about. It's about the Columbus SC letter C. We worked together once ago, years ago, on the original Caterpillar Machinery Company logo. That was beautiful work. You were such a healthy, yellow, broad shape, and the C was magnificent. And look at her now. That C, she was so majestic. If ever a letter and a shape could... But such thoughts are taboo. I'll save that for my therapist. Look at her now, looking beyond an old broke-ass sea. Cramping her once rounded shape into that pennant shape. She didn't age into that terrible form you see there. She was stuffed in there. Fifteen-hour shooting days, six days a week for a while. Me in my comfy corner while my friend went from perfectly healthy to, oh... Not to mention the emotional trauma. There's already workman's comp legal stuff in the works, but that's going to be just the beginning. I think a major lawsuit's coming. It's the sort of thing Columbus SC's new owners do not want out there if they can help it. Plus, if and when activists get a hold of this abusive work environment, they said there's no such thing as bad publicity. Coupled with the unpopular rebrand... This is terrible, and they don't want it. Columbus SC Triangle, that was courage defined. Thank you. It is my sincerest hope you get to remain in your job. Or that your check's already cleared at least, haha. Asshat. Your life deserves a book to be written. That was rich, vibrant, engaging storytelling. I'm grateful for your time. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Tend to Track podcast. Surely. Oh, we didn't talk any actual footy, though I've heard you're a fan. Uh, any parting words about the crew? Nope. Galaxy fan. Told you I live in L.A.